sod Wo's David hat gespielt vor Gott Nur dir wird's nicht gewähnt als a Jeschu Und mir singt a Zoi, a Fahr, a Sol A Mischeberg hebt a Kohl Der Duller Melech webt a Halleluja Deine Mune ist gewollen schwach, das Schäfer bot sich auf dem Dach, ihr Heim, die Lewunne, dein Refuh. Und sie nimmt dein Kopf, sie nimmt dein Kopf, sie schneidet von deiner Haare zopp und zieht von Mäuler Robe, Halleluja. Und eure Kinder ein Stil, Geschlafen auf dein Bier, ich hab kein Mann, ich belebt mit der Satznur. Nur ich seh dein Schloss, ich seh dein Fond, ein Herz ist nicht kein mehliges Thron, es ist eine kalte und eine kalte Halleluja. Und wie ein Motto sagt mir euch, was tut sich dort in dein Scheiß? Du wusch darfst dich schämen wie absurd Und gedenk, wie ich oben dir geruht Wie die Schiene gut in unser Blut Und jeder rot im Tod, Halleluja Ist gar nicht da und Liebe soll sein kaum roh, abpuste träum, zerbrochen und eine Ruhe. Sind nicht kein Gewein in Mitternacht, nicht kein Waldschuhe aufgewacht, nur an Ente Kolkeure, Halleluja. Und ab rufst du mich. Mit Schem Hawaii läster ich, nur meile, ich der ward nicht kein Geule. Nur es brennt sich heiß in jeden Ost, von Aleph Beis, gar bis in Sof, die Heilige und Kale, Halleluja. Derweil, was ich mach, ich komm do wie ein Mensch, nicht kein Schaluja. Gutsch als verloren, sei wie sei, will ich verloren, Adonai, und schreien will ich heim, Halleluja, Halleluja. Hallelujah. Ah.
Hello, welcome to Path of the Polyglot. I am your host, Adam, and I had a little bit of a complaint about the music in the middle of the episode that it wasn't very equalized, and I, I kind of pride myself in this being a very low-rent, low-cost production um, gig, but... I do see how it could be kind of annoying. So I have played the song in the beginning, which was called, I mean, I'm sure you know what the song was. It was Hallelujah. And that was performed and translated into Yiddish by Daniel Kahn. So I hope, and I have a new recorder on my phone, and I hope that everything will work out well is what I'm saying. Yes, so I'd like to thank the people who bring you the podcast every week. Those are Lance Romanoff, Andrew Krutz, Mosheg Yav Rumian, Nancy Davidson, Robbie Masso, Vacheslav Roshetsvensky, and Seth Horton. Um, I will give you some information how you can support the podcast at the end. And also at the end, there will be another song in Ladino called Morena Miyama. And you can look up the artist on YouTube because I wasn't able to find the artist um, in my notes. So um, today we're going to be talking about Jewish languages. And the inspiration for this episode was a, a conversation that I heard on a podcast called Oh, oh! now I don't remember what it was called. Um, and I can't check because I'm recording on my phone. The World in Words, yeah. It's called The World, World in Words. And they did um, in, I think, episode 80 or something. And there have been like 500 episodes. So you'd have to go far, far back to find it. But they did an episode on Hebrew. And when you're growing up, you... If you know what language people speak in Hebrew as a for uh, speak in Israel as a foreigner, you probably know that it's Hebrew, but you probably think that Hebrew is a language like any other language, like French or Spanish. You know, they're in Israel, so they speak Hebrew. It's completely natural. In fact, no, Hebrew is kind of an artificial language. It's like Esperanto, in fact, because Hebrew, as it's spoken, was invented by one man. And um, this is not the story of Hebrew. It's the story of all of the languages that Jews have spoken throughout their time on the planet. And you might say, well, Judaism is a really old religion. How did they get to be speaking so many different languages? And I don't even mean like, you know, because of course there's Jews in Poland who speak Polish and Jews in America who speak English and Jews in France who speak French and all of that. I don't mean that, um, although it's connected. I mean the fact that there are actual languages which are spoken or were spoken by Jews. For example, the song in the beginning was Yiddish. And the song at the end is going to be Ladino. So a long time ago, thousands of years ago, the Jews really did speak, Yid, uh, not Yiddish, Hebrew. And it was the everyday language of 
uh, Israeli life. And this is very, very simplistic explanation, but what happened was the Jews were taken from them, their home by the Babylonians and they were forced into exile. So they were living in Babylon for a few generations. Um, they didn't lose their religion. They kept their religion, but their language, they didn't really keep so much. And they started to speak a language called Aramaic. And the Persians, who surprisingly were progressive, and I, I, recommend an, I can recommend another great podcast for you called Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. And he has this five-part series about the kings of Persia. And it's really surprising how progressive they were. Anyway, they shipped the Jews from Babylon back to their homeland in Judea and Galilee and they were speaking Aramaic and they had different influences like Greek and Aramaic and probably other Mediterranean languages in this area they would speak and they got into a little bit of trouble with the Romans so around the time of and this is also something that's fascinating for me because I grew up in Christian culture and the Christian story it's it's put in one way right like Christians were in Israel at this time and they were you know they were persecuted by the Romans and they went into Roman Empire and they kept on being persecuted by the Romans and you know eventually they became the Church of Rome and all of that stuff but what you don't realize is that in Judea, where it all began, at this time, there was a massive Jewish uprising, and the Romans did not like this at all. They destroyed the Second Temple, and the, well, and that's another little digression. So, the Persian, the Persians actually helped the uh, Jews rebuild the Temple, and that was the Second Temple, and that was destroyed by the Romans. So, point for the Persians, religious tolerance in the Middle East. Yeah, probably was invented in the Middle East. Um, yeah, so uh, after they, I don't know why I'm laughing because it's not that funny, but it's just a sad story. So the, the Jews were forced from their homeland yet again, and they went all around the world. And they went, uh, I can read you a list of different places they ended up in their languages that developed in those places, but um, so they would go to a place, let's say Germany and or German speaking area, and they would pick up the language, but they would also not really intermingle with Christians, primarily because of religious reasons, because Jews needed to marry other Jews so it would be a very closed community but also because these were kind of newcomers so they were always treated badly and they were separate by choice but also separate on purpose and that is a very good kind of uh, conditions to create new languages because it's kind of like if you sail over to an island and you never talk to the people on the mainland again your languages are going to be similar but they're going to get more and more different over time and that's basically what happened to these uh, Jewish languages plus 
also they have this really really big influence of Judaism so in English for example we have a lot of Latin words and words about God and uh, the Christian religion because mainly English people were Christian so it kind of makes sense and the same thing happened with these uh, Jewish languages and what happened to Yiddish especially was that Yiddish uh, it developed in like I said a German speaking area and then they moved east either because they were kicked out or because they just moved east and they were uh, exposed to a lot of Slavic elements so and when you think about Yiddish now you think you either think Orthodox Jew or you think Eastern Europe because that was the heartland of Yiddish speakers um, okay so I will tell you now some uh, so I have a list a long list of different uh, Jewish languages and it's just uh, you're gonna be mine your, your mind is gonna be blown and then I'm gonna tell you a little bit about the influence that Yiddish had on English so we have Kashitic languages so basically in in Egypt Kayla Kfwara semantic languages Judeo-Arabic Judeo-Iraqi Arabic Judeo-Moroccan Arabic Judeo-Tripolitan Arabic Judeo-Tunisian Arabic Judeo-Yemeni Arabic Judeo-Aramaic Hulualu which is Persian Kurdistani Jewish Neo-Aramaic um, Jewish Palestinian Aramaic that's that's um, extinct Galilean dialect also extinct Lishan uh, Dani Lishan Didan that's from Persia and Lishanid Noshan and then you have Judeo Berber and then you have Judeo Bukharic Judeo Galpigani Judeo Hamdani, Judeo Persian, Judeo Sirazi, Judeo Tat, Judeo Aragonese, Judeo Catalan, Judeo French, those are extinct, Judeo Italian, Judeo Piedmontese, Judeo Portuguese, Judeo Provençal, Judeo Spanish, Paqueta, Antiano, Judeo Czech, Judeo Greek, Judeo Marathi, Yiddish, Judeo Crimean, Karyam, Judeo-Georgian, Judeo-Malayam. Wow, that was a long list. So basically, it's kind of unique in the history of language. Uh, maybe it's not, but maybe it's the most famous example of a religious community that was forced to flee its homeland and because of its own kind of practices created this wealth of different dialects and different um, languages okay so I have here a list of words and expressions that might be familiar to English speakers uh, which originally come from Yiddish I have to get a drink and I have no way to pause so you'll hear me get a drink okay um, so I, I don't want to go I mean it's a long list too and I 
I want to just say words that I am personally familiar, not having grown up in a Yiddish family at all. I, I, I. Um, I, I, I. Uh, that's a common interjection. Um, bris. That's the circumcision of a male child. Um, Bubba. It's uh, a grandmother. Bubkiss. That means nothing. And apparently that's from uh, Polish Bobki, but I haven't. I don't even know what Bobki are. Maybe they are goat droppings. Bubkiss. Nothing. Um, let's look through this. Chutzpah. Um, that means courage, determination, um, audacity. Um, Drek. And I've always, this is funny too because Drek is a very common word in English. Maybe not common, but it, it, people know what Drek is. And I always thought, you know, that it that it was an English word, but it's a, it's Yiddish from German. So, interesting. Verklemt, um, so choked up. And honestly, I wouldn't know that without the, uh, what's that name? There was a Mike Mer Myers character, Linda or something, and she belonged to a book club and she was very, very Jewish. And she used to say Farklemt. Um, maybe one more. I want like something. Oh, Gesundheit. Gesundheit. Which is kind of crazy. Crazy that Gesundheit is such a common expression in English, but it actually comes from Yiddish. So you might be wondering. Why is there so many? Why are there so many Yiddish words in English? Because, at least to the English that I'm familiar with, because there are a lot, and there were a lot of uh, Jewish immigrants to North America, and they brought their language, and it affected everybody, you know. And that's a good thing, you know. Languages change and develop, and I think. It's really great that in English there is a word like bubkis. And also, I'm sure people who speak in, uh, people who live in places where there are a higher concentration of Jewish people than where I grew up probably would go through this list and know a lot more of these words. So, Yiddish has had an incredible effect on English. And, you know, a lot of Jewish comedians and uh, just generally Jewish speakers have had that effect. So I am happy to give you this little uh, insight or little peek into the, the languages of the Jew and Judaism. I, I made it sound like that was some kind of weird anti-Semitic thing. I didn't mean it to be like that. I just meant that there are these languages that people who are Jewish speak and have spoken. Yeah, so one more interesting thing about uh, Hebrew and about uh, Yiddish is I've never... Un so Yiddish 
Um, so I, I live in Poland. I don't know if anybody knows that or if I've mentioned that before in this podcast, but I do live in Poland, and before the Second World War, this was the heart of the Yiddish-speaking world. There were magazines, there were, there were, there were um, schools and movements in Yiddish and um, Zionists uh, and lots of different things in Yiddish. And, of course, the Holocaust didn't help the survival of Yiddish in Poland, but what actually killed it, maybe it's not dead, but restricted it to certain usages was the fact that the state of Israel adopted Hebrew as an official language because they thought that Yiddish kind of smelt of the gutter and the ghetto. And I think it's not really fair to Yiddish because Yiddish was a real language with a real tradition. And, um, for example, Orthodox Jews in Israel and other places, they don't support the idea of the official language being Hebrew, because Hebrew is the language of the sacred texts. And everybody should know Hebrew, but you shouldn't be conversing with your parents and children in Hebrew. They use Yiddish. So I'm not Jewish, so I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna put my two cents into that debate from a spiritual perspective, but I can certainly say that from a perspective of somebody who lives here and sees that there's a great lack of this once thriving community, I think it should have been allowed to keep going in Israel. And you can't turn back time, but if you could, that would be one thing that I would have done differently. Um, yeah, so I'm also quite excited this week because I, I am not done yet, so I can't really talk about it on the podcast or I can't talk about it you know, specifically, but as you know, I've started this podcast because I want to be able to speak um, 10 languages fluently and 100 languages at an A1 level, and I don't know why I didn't think about this before. I was just randomly learning languages and saying, okay, here's a course. This looks interesting. I'll take this, but I didn't really think that there's actually a number of words you need to know on A1 level, and there's actually some things that you need to be able to do on A1 level. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to create a sort of um, a master list, and I'm going to be putting in the number of words I theoretically know, and you can do this on Memrise, the words I know for each each um, each language I have the 10 main ones that I'm that I'm focusing on but the other 90 are a little bit difficult because on the one hand I love Creoles and I love different uh, Latin dialects and different uh, Romance dialects and different Slavic dialects and I love um, minority languages but I, so I don't know which will make the final cut because, you know, another part of the problem is there's these uh, minority languages. They're minority languages because they don't have a lot of material. I mean, that's not the reason they're minority languages. Uh, because they're minority languages, they don't have a lot of material, so it might be hard to, for example, for a language like Wimisaurus, which is a Polish-Germanic uh, language, 
would be, you know, a great language to learn, but I'm not sure I'm able to learn it at an A1 level with the amount of material that's available. So it's a question of how much material is available, and yeah, and also, because uh, I, I read somewhere, you know, that they have some kind of competition for the people who speak the most languages, and I don't want to be the person who speaks the most languages, although that would be nice, but I, I think there's always a question of, you know, what does it mean to speak language, and how do you choose, but in these competitions, they always kind of, um, maybe not always, but I read somewhere that one of them said you can't have, you can't, you know, you have one romance language or something. You can't have, you can't have Spanish and Italian and French, which are, are some of my main languages. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know if, if the other minor languages I, I will, you know, separate and try and find completely different languages. And that's the thing, too. You know, there are 4,000-plus languages, but of the languages in the world that you can actually learn, it's a very limited number. Yeah, anyway, so that is all. Um, please stay tuned for the song, the Ladino song. And Ladino is a dialect of Spanish spoken by Jewish people before... 1492 and the expulsion of Jews from Spain. Um, the song, I'm trying to find it for you. I can't find it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The song is called, wait for it, wait for it, wait, 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 wait. It's called uh, Morena Miyama. And I think that would be either call me Morena or they call me like a dark haired person. Um, the other things you can do to support the podcast and my quest to learn 100 languages is you can go to Patreon. I mentioned that earlier. You can also go to the Facebook page, The Path of the Polyclot, click like. And you can uh, buy advertising on this podcast or my other podcast. And you can also, um, what can you do? What can you do? What can you, do? you can also, um, yeah, that's it, basically. Yeah, sorry. So stay tuned for the the song. Goodbye. Escalera